The first reading is taken from the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today. By loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing the command, his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish, you shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Here ends the first reading. We will now read Psalm 1 responsibly by verse. Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the ways of sinners, nor sat in the seats of the scornful. They are like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season, with leaves that do not wither. Everything they do shall prosper. It is Therefore, the wicked shall not stand upright when judgment comes, nor the sinner in the counsel of the righteous. The second reading is taken from Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker. To Aphia, our sister. To Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through your, my brother. For this reason, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to your duty. Yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man. And now, as a prisoner of, of Christ Jesus, I am appealing to you for my child. Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing with your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not 
something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have been, you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Here ends the second reading. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with 10,000, to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, <clears throat> none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. First things first, I am not a coward. I say this because there's a very difficult gospel passage that I just read about hating your family and about taking up your cross, and that's why we sang Lift High the Cross, and it's all well and good, but I'm not preaching on that this morning. I decided I was going to preach on the epistle reading, the letter to Philemon, long before I even looked closely at the gospel reading, and I just decided that it was an interesting and sometimes overlooked book of the Bible. So you can go home and ponder about the, um, the meaning of what it, it, uh, Jesus was saying in terms of taking up your cross, and that's all good. But this morning we're going to hear about Philemon and Onesimus. And I've got to say, the young lady that read the scripture this morning did an absolutely awesome job. She rocked it, because there's some tough names in there. This past week, when I was wasting time scrolling through Facebook, I saw a post that made me laugh out loud. 
It was a screenshot of a worship service, and this is what I sent to Rob. I don't know if he can figure it out yet. Let's see. Oh, it's on the corner. Can you see it up there? It's a screenshot of a worship service, some sort of Christian worship service, Facebook didn't tell me, with a screen behind the speaker's head. So it's kind of funny, you've got a screenshot of a screen behind a gentleman who's talking about it. Well, anyway, the material was to support his message, and it read as follows. General Pauline letter outline. Grace, I thank God for you. Hold fast to the gospel. For the love of everything holy, stop being stupid. I like that one. And finally, Timothy says hi. This pretty much fits the format of all of St. Paul's epistles, some a little bit more closely than others. And I thought I would use it as the outline for this morning's sermon to reflect on the letter to Philemon. With just 25 verses, Philemon is the shortest book in the New Testament. And in case you're wondering, the shortest book in the Bible is Obadiah in the Old Testament. Obadiah only has 21 verses in the whole book. So, just think on that for a second. But anyway, grace is the first thing on that list. And we hear about it in our introduction to Philemon this morning. Paul writes, to our beloved co-worker Philemon, to our sister Aphia, to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church which meets in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be nice if we had more grace in the world? It's a good word, but you know what? Sometimes it's a little tricky to define. According to the dictionary that goes along with my word programming on my computer, grace has several meanings. One, simple elegance or refinement of movement. So a ballerina dancer would be considered graceful. Second definition, courteous goodwill. Well, that's just being gracious or nice. A third definition is a time frame officially allowed for payment of a sum due or for compliance with a law or condition. That's a grace period when you've got so many days past the due date before they start coming after you for your bills that are due or whatever. And finally, the definition that we're most concerned about this morning is the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners. Whichever definition you choose, I believe the world would be a better place if we had more grace periods. But for Paul, the Christian definition says it all. He is extending the free and unearned favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners through the cross of Christ, Jesus' death and resurrection. 
Grace is so important to what Paul says in Romans through Timothy that it finds its way into the next part of the outline that we saw on that screenshot. Paul writes, I thank my God always when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that the partnership of your faith may become effective as you comprehend all the good that we share in Christ Jesus. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother, Philemon. Paul likes Philemon, Philemon, I never know how to pronounce it. Paul brought Philemon to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul feels like he's in partnership with this man who has fellow believers gathering in his own home to learn and to worship God. And the phrase here from this section of the letter, grace, love, and joy, all go hand in hand with thanksgiving. And Philemon has much to be thankful for. He came to know God because of Paul's ministry. He became a leader in faith, and he cherishes that love and that relationship with the other folks who worship with him. But despite all of his good intentions, despite Philemon being an upstanding Christian, the best of intentions can be marred by sin. It doesn't spell it out in so many words, but Philemon is a slave owner. Which brings us to Onesimus and the point of this letter. Onesimus was a slave who had run away. Philemon was his master. Onesimus met up with Paul while the older man was in jail for proclaiming the gospel. And as they got to know each other, Paul shared the good news with Onesimus and brought him, like Philemon, to Christ Jesus. They also, somewhere along the line, figured out that Paul knew Onesimus' master. And then Paul has this really smart idea. I think I'll write a letter. I'm pretty good at writing letters. I am appealing to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Onesimus' name means useful. Isn't that cool? But what good is a runaway slave? Useful for nothing. Instead, Paul asks Philemon to be gracious to Onesimus. To welcome him back. 
what would you do if you were a runaway slave who was being sent back to a master who was perhaps even angry that you ran off? You weren't going back in chains. You weren't being escorted by the Roman guard. You were just going with a letter in your hand. I might be the first one to admit I'm going to go the other direction, just like Jonah did when God sent him to talk to the people about the the sin that they had committed. Jonah headed off to Tarsus. Well, if I had been Onesimus, I might have just said, no way, I'm not going back. Because by Roman law, a slave could be branded on the forehead as a fugitive so that everyone would know he was a flight risk. The punishment by Roman law could even include torture and death. So how would Onesimus feel about going back? With that letter in his hand, Onesimus held fast to the gospel and went back. Once again, Paul writes, I am sending him that is, my own heart, back to you, Philemon. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might minister to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something that I forced you to do. Perhaps this is the reason Onesimus was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back in the long run, no longer as a slave, but as a brother in Christ, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul is laying it on pretty thick. In a guilt no guilt sort of manner, he's calling for Philemon to accept a runaway slave back without punishment. And then he specifically refers to Onesimus as a brother in Christ. In other words, show the same grace to Onesimus that God and Paul have already shown to Philemon. I've helped you. You help me. And you can do that by helping this runaway. Though I am more than bold enough, Paul writes, to command you to do the right thing, I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. If Onesimus' life wasn't on the line, that would be kind of funny. Now here is where we deviate just a bit from that original outline we saw in the screenshot. The next part of that screenshot instruction or summary was stop being stupid. But in this letter, the admonition is don't be stupid. It's kind of a future tense direction. Don't do anything stupid about this situation. So, If you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. 
I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand, and I will repay you. Notice that I say nothing about your owing me, even your own soul. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Take him back as you would accept me into your fellowship. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. We've asked how Onesimus might have felt. How do you think Philemon felt getting this letter? As an official correspondence from the apostle, it would have been shared with all the believers at Philemon's house when they gathered for worship. That would put the man on the spot. Will he welcome him back? Will he punish Onesimus? What's going to happen? Well, as is often the case, the Bible doesn't provide a specific answer to those questions. How did he respond to Paul's request? But we do have one tantalizing clue. In the letter to Colossians, chapter 4, verse 9, we hear about Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother. He's mentioned as visiting the Christians in Colossae. Hmm, that could very well be the same man. And early Christian writings identify a man named Onesimus as the bishop of Ephesus. Sounds to me like Philemon accepted and responded positively to Paul's requests. Holy Scripture is full of delightful stories and interesting characters. It's also full of challenging passages, like this morning's gospel reading. There are lots of battles, a few tales of spies. It also has boring lists and other stuff that might not be so easy to read. But God's good book is the foundation of our faith. It provides us with love, with challenges, with information, all focusing on our relationship with God and with each other. No matter how busy your week, I'd like to give you a suggestion. I encourage you to pick up your Bible and reread the story of Philemon and Onesimus. 25 verses, just 25 verses. You might just learn something about God and yourself, and how we relate to other people. And if you're really on a roll, go to the Old Testament and check out Obadiah too. 21 verses. And one last thing. Timothy says hi. More about Timothy next week. Amen. <laughs>